Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 18, verses 1 through 12, called Good News of Great Joy. I would argue that Moses may be the greatest man on the earth at this time. And Numbers 12, 3 says he's the most humble man on the earth at this time. And if you were a great man in that culture, you did not leave your tent to go out to greet somebody else. They came into your tent. Moses might send a message like this. I'm signing books right now. I don't have time to go out and meet Jethro. Come on. I'm a famous guy. I just delivered the Pharaoh of Egypt and his, or I just defeated them. The Pharaoh of Egypt and his army. I'm a great man. I'm signing book deals. I'm signing the book of Exodus. You know, I'm going to be the author of the book of Exodus. That'll come later. But Moses doesn't do that. He has humility. Listen to this. 1 Peter 3.15. Sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to give a defense for the hope that is in you, the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do this with gentleness and respect. Moses could have closed the door to the witnessing opportunity if he had been proud. I don't have time. I'm not going to get up and greet him. He went to his father-in-law and bowed before him and kissed him, which is a cultural sign of deference and respect. Now, let me address the parents for a second. Wouldn't it be nice in a culture that's becoming more and more disrespectful if we gained back some of this? If, Dad, you taught your sons to give a firm handshake, not a wet noodle handshake, and look people in the eye. How about if we taught our sons, and I'm going to talk about sons because I have three sons, to properly stand up when the lady enters a room? How about just some signs of respect to those who are police officers or those who are in authority, like teachers and you name it, that we show humility and deference, that we teach that? That's a long lost art, don't you think? And it's something that we got to get back. And Moses is a great example of this. Moses is a great man. He could have said, you know, I'm riding high. I'm a big shot now, but no. And I think his humility opened the door to more uh, openness of Jethro. That's what I think your humility will do in certain situations. You might say to somebody, I don't know everything, but I'm, I'm learning the Bible and this is what God's done in my life. And this is what this Bible verse says and it gives me hope. You know, people are looking for hope and if they know you have a little humility in approaching them, you might be much more open to what you have to say. Now, some of you may be wondering, but hold on a minute. There's no verse about Moses hugging his wife or even patting his sons on the head. What is up with that? Because if I, in the Western culture, had not seen my wife for weeks or months or even years, she's the first person that I'm going to hold for a while. She's prettier than Jethro, I can tell you that, for sure. But she would be my priority. But this is not a sign of disrespect. Moses loves his wife and he loves his kids. And I think it's implied that he certainly hugged them and welcomed them. But he he did the cultural thing first, which is the patriarch of the family was to be greeted and honored and invited into the tent. And that's what Moses did. And I'm sure then he took care 
of greeting his wife and children. And Moses told, the Hebrew word is literally, he proclaimed, or he was proclaiming to his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardship that had befallen them on the journey and how the Lord had delivered them. If you want to share the gospel effectively, it needs to be God-centered. It doesn't mean that you don't tell some of your story, but Moses' focus is on what the Lord has done. Amen? This is what the Lord did. He doesn't say, yeah, man, I figured out how that staff works, and whenever I pointed at something, wow, yeah, I got this down now. None of that. Because Moses knew at first at the burning bush, he told God, send somebody else. He told God, I can't talk. I'm, I'm not your man. Moses knew who he was. And so he talked about the Lord. When I witness to somebody, I want to tell them what the Lord has done for me. I want to tell the story of his glory, how he delivered me from a life of sin. I also don't want to hold back with people listening to the gospel the fact that there are tough parts of the Christian life because Moses shared, look at eight, all the hardship that had befallen them on the journey. He gave them the whole enchilada, or if you want to use the Southern way of thinking of it, he gave them the biscuits with the gravy. That was supposed to be funny. Anyway, um, he didn't hold back the tough parts of the journey. And I think when we sit with a friend and we have an opportunity to expound on what we're saying, we may say something like this. Now that you've opened your heart to the Lord, you need to know some things. You have an enemy. You're going to deal with the world, the flesh, and the devil. You might expect in the next couple of hours a spiritual attack. You are going to have to deal with your flesh. And there's going to be times when you disappoint yourself. And you're not going to have it all together in the first week of your Christian life. And that's okay. Because we have a thing called grace. And we might want to walk this out a little bit more when we're spending time with people. Amen? And that's what Moses did. And Moses had much to share. Imagine, he probably talked to Jethro for hours in rapid fire. Yeah, I went to the Pharaoh and I said, let my people go. We had centuries of bondage, taskmasters, harsh treatment, bricks without straw, 10 mighty plagues, blood, insects, frogs, disease, hail, darkness, a darkness that could be felt, but it was light where we lived. The blood of the lamb on the doorpost and the lintel, protection and redemption, the death of the firstborn, people crying everywhere in Egypt, a triumphant exodus from Egypt with treasures and triumph. Then the Egyptian army, the Red Sea, God opened it up. We parted. We went through on dry ground. Wow, wow, wow. Here's some pictures on my cell phone. Look at that. That's a whale in one of the walls of water. Look at that. I mean, he had so much to talk about. The whining and provision, whining and provision, (laughs) the attack of the Amalekites, holding his hands up with the staff, the help of Aaron and her. Hands were up. We were winning. Hands went down. We were losing. Hands up, winning. Hands up, down, losing. He went through all of this and Jethro heard it and Jethro had to be smiling, man. What amazing things the Lord has done for you, Moses. Could you imagine that God would use you in such a way? And notice what Moses is doing. He's just simply telling the story of what God has done in his life. That's what we need to do. That's the idea of a personal testimony. And Jethro rejoiced. Here's the response. He literally delighted over all the goodness which the Lord had done to Israel and delivering them from the hand of the Egyptians. And so Jethro said, blessed be the Lord. He uses the covenant name Yahweh of God who delivered you from the hand of the Egyptians and from the hand of Pharaoh and who delivered the people 
from under the hand of the Egyptians. Blessed be the Lord. He was rejoicing. He was happy. He was glad. All of a sudden, Jethro says these words. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all the gods. Indeed, it was proven when they dealt proudly against the people. Now I know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the true God. In 2001, I was on a mission trip to Nepal and India. I was in a hotel. We did a pastor's conference for about 50 pastors in India. I had done my speaking portion, and I'd gone out into the lobby, and there was a hotel worker, a young man, probably in his early 20s, who was there. He had a delightful smile, and I wanted to witness to him, so I, I tried to share the gospel, but we couldn't understand each other. And my translator was inside in the pastor's conference. So finally the translator came out and I said, oh good, come here, come here, come here. And, he, and I shared the gospel with this young man and he received the Lord on the spot and got down on his knees in the middle of this hotel room or hotel uh, lobby. And he opened up his heart to Jesus. It was a glorious moment. Now, you know, I'm 20 years removed from the moment. And his name was Benud. And I said, but dude, you need to understand something because in India, what they'll do is they'll add Jesus to a multiplicity of gods and goddesses that they believe in. Oh, Jesus, yeah, I'll just add him on. And I had to tell Benud that you have to forsake all of the other gods that you've embraced as false. You have to recant and deny them and trust that Jesus is the one true God. And I watched him hesitate just for a moment. And then he said, Pastor Michael, that is what I'm going to do. And he recanted all of the false worship in his life and opened up his heart to Jesus Christ. And I was so excited. I let the leader, a pastor friend of mine, know. I said, Benud opened his heart to the gospel. And he said, in the nude? And I said, no. No, we're not doing something. <laughs> no, Benud, his name's Benud. He opened up his... <laughs> anyway. I know it was Indian and everything, but come on. Anyway. And this declaration, now I know, um, Ray Vanderlaan does a series with Focus on the Family, and it says that it's entitled That the World May Know. The reason that we're here, a big reason why God leaves us here is that the world may know. Can I ask you, when's the last time you shared with someone what God's done in your life? When's the last time that you spent five minutes just saying, hey, can I talk to you about something that's really important to me? We had a group that was attending the church a few years back, and they were all in the medical industry, and they decided to use this strategy. They opened up a home on an evening. They served dinner, and they invited coworkers to come and hear personal testimonies from the Christians in that group. And they were getting 10 to 15 people every week. They would cook a meal. They'd hang out, get to know people. And one of the medical people who was a Christian would share their testimony. They were coming back every week and saying that people were getting saved left and right. I will tell you, the gospel comes with a house key. That is to say, when we open up our lives to people, we simply share the good news. We want them to know the good news too. And we get a little creative like have them over to our home and tell them about the good news of the gospel, people can be one to Jesus. Maybe if you work at a company right now, maybe you need to get more strategic with coworkers about praying for specific people. Maybe you start a lunchtime Bible study once a week. Maybe you say, hey, let's invite 
our non-Christian co-worker to join us. Let's just share with him and see how open he is to the gospel. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Listen to our podcast mini-series, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. Our next series is called In His Image, A Case for Life in a Post-Roe v. Wade World with guest speaker Scott Klusendorf from the Life Training Institute. You know, sometimes we as pastors think, oh boy, I don't want to get distracted. I want to stay tethered to the Great Commission. And I agree, we should be about the Great Commission. But the question is, what does the Great Commission teach? The Great Commission teaches that we are to disciple believers. What does that mean? Well, Jesus told us in Matthew 28, we're to teach them to obey all that Christ commands. What is one of those commands in Scripture? We're not to shed innocent blood. Exodus 23, 7 teaches that. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19 teaches that. Matthew 5, 21 references that. So when we speak about abortion, which is the shedding of innocent blood, we're not distracting people from the Great Commission. We're helping them align with it. You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com, or you can subscribe and follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. That's Walk in Truths A Step Closer on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. All of the other gods that you've embraced as false, you have to recant and deny them and trust that Jesus is the one true God. And I watched him hesitate just for a moment. And then he said, Pastor Michael, that is what I'm going to do. And he recanted all of the false worship in his life and opened up his heart to Jesus Christ. And I was so excited. I let the leader, a pastor friend of mine, know. I said, Benud opened his heart to the gospel. And he said, in the nude? And I said, no. No, we're not doing some weird <laughs> No, Benud, his name's Benud. He opened up his, <laughs> anyway. I know it was Indian and everything, but come on, Anyway. And this declaration, now I know. Um, Ray Vanderlaan does a series with Focus on the Family, and it says that it's entitled That the World May Know. The reason that we're here, a big reason why God leaves us here, is that the world may know. Can I ask you, when's the last time you shared with someone what God's done in your life? When's the last time that you spent five minutes just saying, hey, can I talk to you about something that's really important to me? We had a group that was attending the church uh, a few years back, and they were all in the medical industry, and they decided to use this strategy. They opened up a home on an evening. They served dinner, and they invited coworkers to come and hear personal testimonies from the Christians in that group. And they were getting 10 to 15 people every week. They would cook a meal. They'd hang out, get to know people. And one of the medical people who was a Christian would share their testimony. They were coming back every week and saying that people were getting saved left and right. I will tell you, the gospel comes with a house key. That is to say, when we open up our lives to people, we simply share the good news. We want them to know the good news too. And we get a little creative 
like have them over to our home and tell them about the good news of the gospel, people can be one to Jesus. Maybe if you work at a company right now, maybe you need to get more strategic with coworkers about praying for specific people. Maybe you start a lunchtime Bible study once a week. Maybe you say, hey, let's invite our non-Christian coworker to join us and let's just share with them and see how open he is to the gospel. This is what we need to do. We need to be stirred to evangelism, brethren. We do. Because it's a big part of our mission. And the more we do it, the more the world will change. You want the world to change? Then God has to change hearts. And so now I know. Exodus 9.16 is a verse to write down. I've allowed Pharaoh to remain that, uh, that essentially paraphrasing that the world may know. And Jethro says, now I know the Lord is greater than all the gods. New King James, verse 11. For in the very thing in which they behaved proudly, all these false gods of Egypt, he was above them. I could go on for the next two hours giving you verses about God being the most high God, above all gods, the only God, no God before him, no God after him, no God beside him, no God is equal. He is God and there is no one else. There is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. The epidemic in America is a smorgasbord religion of spirituality. If you're spiritual and sincere, you're good. No, you ain't. Because the Bible says that Jesus is the singular way to God. Now, some people say, oh, I have a problem with that, including Oprah Winfrey. But here's the deal. The deal is not whether or not you have a problem with that. The deal is whether or not the word of God says it. And at least God has made a way and took radical measures to send his son to pay the ransom for you. That's how much he loves you. There is a God in heaven who loves you. And he put that love on display at the cross. And so Jethro says, now I know. It's so good to know. It's so good to know. Do you know, if we had a secret way of seeing how many Christians pass us every day and how many non-Christians do, if we had a way to analyze how many people have question marks over their heads as they walk by us, they don't know where they're going. They live their life largely in fear. They ignore the afterlife because they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to deal with death. But here's, here's the good news. You can know. You can know that you've passed from death to life. You can know that you are saved. Why? Because Jesus Christ paid the ransom in full. It is finished. Paid in full. Now I know. Would to God that we would all know. The final act before communion Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took a burnt offering and sacrifices for God. This was a way of Jethro, a burnt offering was like, Lord, would you forgive me? It was an ancient way of saying, please forgive me. He took a burnt offering and other sacrifices for God. How do we know if someone prays a sinner's prayer if they're a Christian? Here's how we're going to know. We're not going to know in the moment necessarily. We're going to know if there's something flowing from a person's life called fruit, do you want to be 
with God's people? Do you love God's people? Do you desire to hear truth? Do you want to serve God and other people? Do you want to evangelize? I'm not saying that the works are the, the ultimate thing, but I'm saying the works will testify to a true faith. Are you a worshiper? Do you desire to worship God as a priority of your life and everything else is secondary? Well, that's Jethro. How do we measure Jethro being a believer? His response is worship. It's beautiful. It's a response of worship and fellowship. No place else I'd, li- I'd rather be. And by sacrificing, I think Jethro was saying something like this, Lord, Lord, would you forgive me? I know something else has to die all the way leading us to the uh, sacrifice of Christ. I know something else innocent has to die for me. Forgive me for my idolatry, my ignorance, my, uh, you know, whatever it may be, my lifestyle apart from you, my presuppositions that were not informed by the truth. Forgive me. And he offered sacrifices. And here's the beautiful thing. And then Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with Moses' father-in-law before God, which I think probably means before the glory cloud. Imagine this. Jethro has gotten saved. He's been welcomed into the covenant community of Israel because he was a foreigner. And now they have a meal together. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. A meal is a beautiful picture of people in covenant. We're about to go to the Lord's table together and every time we do, we're a people in covenant. We're the redeemed community coming to the table of the Lord together before the Lord, amen? And I would imagine that every now and then, Jethro, having heard the story of God's glory, took a peek over at that glory cloud and was like, oh, yeah. And I think this anticipates a reunion day that's coming. Because we are going to be at a marriage supper of the Lamb. And it's going to be a big table. And we are going to see God face to face. And I'm going to say, Moses, pass the mashed potatoes. Jethro, pass the biscuits and gravy. And on a serious note, I know a lot of you who are here today have lost family members, but you haven't lost them. Because those who are Christians, it's not goodbye. It's I'll see you later or in a little bit. And one day, brethren, there's going to be a great reunion. And we're going to be at the table of the Lord with the glory of the Lord there. And he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. This is my hope. This is what I know. I know to whom I have entrusted my soul. You've been listening to Good News of Great Joy, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 18, verses 1 through 12. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. If you're having a hard time and need someone to talk to, or maybe you don't feel like talking at all, but you could use some prayer, call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 
844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. One more time, 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the bottom line is that we have some good news of great joy to share, don't we? And the joy of the Lord can be your strength. Joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus had the oil of joy above his companions. God wants us to have joy. Now, you might say, well, what is joy, Pastor Michael? Well, joy is not necessarily a happy giddiness, although it could include that. Joy is a calm delight in the soul. Joy is an abiding reality that I know the God who is going to sum up the times, who's already purchased my redemption, who's already preparing a place for me in heaven. And so no matter what comes my way, I can have joy. Uh, Paul had joy in jail. Uh, you know, rejoice in the Lord. He said from a Roman imprisonment, again, I say rejoice. Joy is a mind fixed on God. Peace is a mind fixed on God. You will keep him in uh, double peace, shalom, shalom, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life. Please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month or give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 18, verses 13 through 27 called Balancing the Scales. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.